0: Welcome to Talking Time. Today, Rick and I are talking about all things historical and mechanical with um, our guest, Andrew Brabin from Zero West Watches. Hey, Andrew, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing really well. Thanks,
2: guys, for inviting us on the show. Really pleased
1: to be here
0: and uh, you, you and Ricky know each other
1: Yeah me and Andrew go way back probably around about three years it was around a bit pandemic time that I first got hands on with Zero West watches. Andrew was a decent lad he popped some in the post up to me never thought he would get them back but he did and I didn't really want to release them <laughs> because I had experienced in person a range of his watches the year prior 2019 probably the last watch show in the UK before the pandemic hit and it was the watch It Fair watch all about with Joshua flag and that was my first introduction to the brand and I was absolutely captivated not just by the watches and the design but the way they were presented and displayed because there was this uh, Meccano esque vibe going on in their display stand where they had their chronographs and all the different watches sitting there and I was just blown away with the quality and the level of workmanship for the price point these guys were, were charging the public I couldn't believe it and then as I say months later during the pandemic we got a whole range of watches through to look at. So it is a huge pleasure to have Andrew on the show today to talk to a new audience for the Alliance members and people that are visiting the Alliance website and the Instagram for the first time. And because this is the first time Andrew, you can give us the kind of origin story of how you came to be running, creating and producing these watches at Zero West.
2: Yeah, it's it was, it was a fascinating journey. I mean, my background um, from a very young age, probably like a lot of people, I was given my first digital watch in the mid to late 70s by my father uh, and uh, he was an architect so I, I grew up in a creative family and uh, just by default I ended up going to art college to study graphic design uh, where I specialized in typography and branding. And you know I, I that's when there was the swatch revolution and uh, i was massively into swatch watches and uh, i used to customize the straps uh, and ended up it, it ended up being a sideline at art college uh, everyone used to meet up at lunchtimes or in the pub after college and you know i was selling some selling some, and people were putting in some requests for some of the styles that they wanted and that that's really where my watch fascination began Uh, And following art college, uh, I was very fortunate uh, my career path uh, with some design agencies working on some really big brands in the automotive and mountain bike industries. And th- for years, I-, I always wanted to work on my own product. I'd worked on a lot of projects and seen grand brands grow from really small beginnings. And I thought it would be fantastic to be able to put everything that I was uh, that I'd learned and was passionate about into into my own project. Uh, and then in 2016, a good friend of mine who I used to meet up with probably only a couple of times a year, uh, was Graham Collins, who's an ex, actually he's an ex-Black Ops military engineer. I mean, he's fascinating to talk to. He, he'll reluctantly tell you a story, you'll get to the really good bit, and then he'll he'll just, slay, he'll just go quiet and say, I really can't tell you anymore. Um, so if you ever get to meet him, he is a fantastic individual, and he's got a vast experience in military engineering and aerospace. He's worked all over the world, and he's massively irritating. He's the sort of guy who can build his own house and we'd meet up, and he'd always say to me, Oh, you know, I want to design my own watch." And we talk. We were both passionately into watches. He collected watches, so did I. And I never offered to help out because he was somebody who could always do everything himself. And in one Christmas, two thousand and sixteen, it was probably late November, early December. Uh, he sent me a three D render for the metalwork of a watch, and he, he said, "What do you think?" And my wife was on her Christmas do, and 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 I just thought, "Well, I'll I'll spend the whole evening. I'll design a dial. I'll put it into his three D render, uh, which is exactly." what I did. I designed him a logo for Graham watches and um turned the the whole thing into like a beautiful advert with a chrome biplane. It was very brightling, brightlingesque esque And I sent it back to him and, and he literally just replied with a couple of words saying, Do you want to set up a watch brand? And and that's really where it started. He came to see me and it like I'm sure a lot of watch brands that start you think well we'll just make one watch we'll just see how it goes but um he, he said to me have some ideas for for, for, the, for the brand while I'm while I'm spending some time spending further hours he spent hundreds of hours designing this first watch so I went away and I put together a mood board and we talked about what we would call what we would call the brand and he was heavily into history and maps uh, I was into history but not as much as him when I mean, he'd been up to Greenwich and he said it'd be great if we could do something about around Greenwich uh you know we talked about John Harrison's the origin of look, finding longitude and we said, yeah longitude would be great that 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 kind of hole uh, back then uh, if we could tie that in in some way and he said, yeah the prime meridian and, and we looked into it and we we looked at the coordinates and it said zero degrees west And I said, well that, that's a great name. So we said, well what, what how could we hinge that round our brand And so I said, well look let's how about we commemorate great moments in British engineering and each dial features a latitude and longitude. We'll call the brand Zero West, Zero Degrees West. It's the prime meridian. It's where time starts, where east meets west, and everything kind of slotted into place. So for the first six months, I I, I put together, well, first three months, I put together this great big mood board. It was about 50 pages, all with different concepts, style concepts. We did a lot of research, and um, he he, he designed up the model, uh, and we got it 3D printed. And we realized that what what skills I had he um he didn't possess and what skills he had I didn't possess and we stood we felt we stood quite a good chance of being able to launch a brand a watch brand with our own investment with with our own time and we spent what ended up being three years and I remember we looked we, we obviously were researching everything under the sun and we'd looked into how Bremont started and and we, we we'd see we'd read that it had taken them three years to set up to to come bring their first watch to market and uh you know we kind of joked and said oh you know maybe we could do it quicker than that um Actually, we didn't. We didn't. <laughs> we didn't. Uh, I, I'm sure uh, there are other routes to market uh, that can be quicker. But when you're, when you're designing in-house uh, and you're going to the lengths of detail that we were going to, uh, it, it takes time. And a great example of that is we trademark the logo. And um, to do that, you, 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 do, you upload the design online. You do it through the, the government website. And um, you have three months it sits online for somebody to object. And uh, it was getting really close to the end of the three months. And we said, right, let's get some of these sample dials into production. We're really close. Nobody's objected. And on the last day of the three months, the postman came to the door and asked us to sign this envelope. And we were almost fist pumping the air going, great, it's all been approved. And it was, in fact, a letter uh, from a solicitor's legal department in Europe from one of the massive, great big Swiss brands who uh, basically... I'm not going to use the word threatened us, but effectively told us we weren't allowed to proceed uh, with this logo. Uh, and, and when you actually compare the logo to their logo, uh, which we, we weren't aware that we were infringing any copyrights, it, it, it wasn't really that close at all. It was just the shape and, and, and they were opposing to it on the grounds of confusion in the marketplace. And it was a, it was a really um, light bulb moment that you realize that these things can take so long and um you know we at that point we were kind of insignificant but they still felt that it was something that they wanted to pursue so we ended up i spoke to a trademark lawyer uh 280 pounds an hour uh, uh luckily uh they were free with their advice uh, i ended up sending them uh, a couple of bottles of vodka to thank them and uh they, they what, informed which me which country <laughs> were they
1: from <laughs> they're
2: from switzerland i'd love to name oh, the brand oh yeah, yeah. oh Good yeah
1: Does it it rainless shaitling <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: I could give you a clue it it doesn't rhyme with but if you think of uh, I've got really long denim trousers I'm sure many people will be able to piece that together and and so we redesigned the logo slightly for the better as it happens and uh, we had to wait another three months anxious months uh, and it was approved but it was a great example of how Uh, six months to get a logo approved. And at that time, you know, I had conversations with Graham, you know, do we not really bother with the logo? But that was my background and the branding of it was massively important to me and for the future of the brand. Uh, And we stuck it out and that was... So, so for out of those three years, three months, six months of that was just getting the logo approved. We were working away in the background, 3D printing the watch and, um, obviously sorting out our vendor base. And a lot of the things that we get made for our watches aren't due, very luckily due to Graham's back military background and aerospace background. A lot of the things that we get made aren't in normal watch, uh, facilities, as it were. Uh, you could say we do it the hard way. I mean, I'm, I'm sure an easier route would be to, uh, pick case designs out of a catalog, a generic case design and um, get the watches pre-built and just take delivery of them. But every part is made somewhere different and uh, every part is delivered to us here. We QC them uh, and then they're, they're built here in our workshop, which I'll talk more about later. But what was interesting for us from the outset was we we, we launched with a brand. We launched with four 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 watches and two chronographs. And one of those was a bullhead chronograph, which was massively difficult to engineer. It was made out of two parts: a cradle and a cylindrical part that was vertically knurled. Uh, and that had a uh, it was beautifully engraved. We found it. We were very fortunate to infa- to find uh, an engravers locally that we've been working with uh, for the last four years. And um, it, it was it was great for us to launch with a watch, uh, a, a watch brand, which was uh, that was self funded. And I believe that's quite rare. Uh, you know, the majority of people design a. watch it's Uh, and then see how that goes and then build on future models so it we was looking back it was slightly ludicrous Um, and maybe there was a little bit of delusion in what we could achieve but we persevered and um, uh, it's it was there were some really tough times because for the three years we weren't making any money at all till we launched the website and we were pouring in pretty much full-time weekends nights Uh, I was doing a bit of freelance work but hardly anything to pay the bills Uh, and I was very fortunate to have an understanding wife that allowed me to pursue this journey but um you, you know it, it was the first person that actually bought from us uh bought four watches and uh he said to me he bought three and then two days later he bought another one and and i always remember his words because he said to me i, I just want you to know i followed your journey i did know this person he said but i'm not buying this out of sympathy to help you along i i, I truly believe these are really beautiful timepieces. and and as Ricky said at the beginning of this podcast, um uh, that's testament to the amount of hours that we poured into it. Because I think when you're design and engineering led, uh, a lot of the decisions that we made, uh, I'm sure an investor would probably be horrified at. But um, when you are so personally involved in these items, as I'm sure you hear from many brands, uh, it's not about the money. It's about making the best possible watch you can make. And from the outset, as I said to Graham, I'm not a salesman. We just, we just want somebody who after they've spent a bit of time with us would see us as a viable alternative to one of the big main mainstream swiss brands and and that was really important for us uh start starting off so we started off in 2016 and 3 years later we sold our first watch or first four watches within a within a within a week and and the watch themes, which is really important to us, uh, we felt that um, a lot of brands, they will call them like a pilot watch or a Spitfire watch. But that marketing was very, very, very thin. So for us, it was about commemorating a British engineering achievement, whether it was the birth of the Spitfire, land speed record, um, a centenary, and And then a human element. So we research the human element to that story. And then most importantly, an event. And that's what the latitude and longitude and date code, which forms the house style of all our watches, you'll find it across our whole range on the dial, actually fixes a point in history. And we research, research those points and bring those design attributes to the dial. So the first watch of note within our range that was massively successful was our Spitfire pilot watches. Um... And then what happened was we were approached by somebody who um, basically had some Spitfire material from a museum and we were able to acquire this material. And Graham had this great idea about redesigning the back of the watch, incorporating some of this Spitfire material. So that was no easy task. We, we basically had to work with a local uh, custom motorcycle company called Foundry Motorcycles. And what was great about working with him is he was really respective of the material and, and, and its place in history. And uh, we set about smelting down this aluminium casing from a Mark I Spitfire that crashed just off the isle of wight it was actually dredged up by a fishing trawler uh, and it was identified through raf records because also along with the uh, part of the engine was a propeller blade uh, and it was a single single propeller blade style from a mark one spitfire and the raf records showed that that the only spitfire that had gone down in that vicinity during uh, world war ii was a a polish pilot so we set about researching all the history with the squadron this polish pilot flew in and we ended up designing a new spitfire watch where the dial was based on a airspeed indicator from a mark one spitfire and in the back of the watch we had the smelted down metal under a reverse printed sapphire actually it wasn't reverse printed it was a sapphire crystal but we uh we actually uh laser engraved uh, the Merlin engine material, uh, which we no longer do, because we actually had to smelt it down through so many different processes to get the material smooth enough for us to laser, laser engrave. That we now uh, keep it more of a raw material, and uh, we um, on future models, and we reverse print the sapphire crystal. And on this, so on this uh, uh, dial, it has the latitude and longitude of the crash site. Uh, which we managed to locate. And also the crown is a scaled down fire button from the joystick of a Spitfire. Graham managed to obtain some technical drawings and reverse engineered it. Unfortunately, it doesn't fire anything. But it's this sort of of detail uh, that we put into all of the watches. And I must actually uh, slightly rewind slightly. What was massively important to Zero West and when we set up and and Graham's vision for the brand when I first started talking to him was for us to have our, our own unique case identity. And we didn't want to be a me too brand and all our all the metal work for our watches was machined out of a solid piece of billet on a five axis machine now i know that may not mean a lot to a lot of the people listening but what it does is it allows us to create the shapes uh for our watches that are very different to anything else that you'll see out there when we also have these unique dsl lugs dual sculpted lugs which are our part of our unique dna house st- style and will make zero west's watches instantly recognizable when you see them in the flesh or online uh, and that was really important for us because it allows us to mix finish make the lugs out of a, a different finish to the watch body um, and as I said we didn't want to be a me too brand uh, we wanted our own identity and and this was really apparent from the outset there was something that people really appreciated, uh, especially from a brand that was very small, uh, producing really high-quality stuff in the small volumes that we do. So this Pilot Watch was uh, a massive success for us. And and part of that success, uh, it, it's all to do with the touch points as well, was the fact that we weren't able to find a strap manufacturer uh, to make the quality of straps uh, to the standard we were looking for when we set up the brand Uh or in the small quantities that we wanted. So Graham being the typical engineer set about, he said to me one day, do you think I'm going to have a go at making a strap? And I, of course I said to him, yeah, go for it. I think you do a great job. Uh, we joke about it now, but the first ones that he made weren't particularly great. Uh, we've got them in the studio just to show the, show the progression of how you learn. But he spent literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of I, I, I dread to think of how many straps he's made. And they are a thing of beauty. Absolutely. He's such a perfectionist. Uh, I, I think the most complex strap he makes is close to four hours uh it has be- it's beautiful rally holes and he also we use some recycled world war ii canvas uh, they're they're edge painted they're burnished on the side they're all heat creased, uh, all made out of Horween leather and they're all made here in the studio and um it like like all these things uh it's a great thing to be able to do uh but it has um it has uh, kept us exceptionally busy and maybe away from uh pushing forward Uh, On a day in, day out with new watch designs, but it it's just something that was massively important to us. When you spend so much time designing a watch, engineering it beautifully, you 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 don't. Well, we felt for our brand, we didn't necessarily want an aftermarket strap on there, Uh, and then we said about designing our own rubber straps, uh, which was pretty expensive to produce in the uk but it was something we felt very strongly about we put down uh we did all the tooling put down all the costs and we did designed it all in-house we did all the tooling for that locally to the studio and then these high end they're made of fkm high-end rubber straps and they're made up in surrey Uh, we actually use a company that does a lot of work for the mod so it's really great that they are made locally and um they're a great addition to our straps uh, sorry to our watches Uh, it also takes the pressure off graham on a day-to-day making straps so that was that was that was great for us and then what happened was uh, covid hit And, uh, you know, I don't need to tell everybody uh, how that affected lots of different businesses. And we were very fortunate to be busy through COVID. And we took the opportunity. We had a light bulb moment. The studio that we work in is an old boathouse overlooking the water in Emsworth. We're really, really fortunate. And it has a lot of automotive history, which I'll touch on later. But what happened was we were selling watches and we were saying to people, well, we'll send them out to you, you know, in a week's time, two weeks time when we finish building them. And they'd say, oh, no, don't worry. When we get out of covid uh, we're going to go on a road trip we're going to come down and see you and I think the first two people that came to see us were came down from Manchester and they did it there and back in a day uh it was, it was a massively long trip for them. but what happened was prior to that we thought well we're never going to get the opportunity to do the studio up uh, where it's shut, and nobody can come i mean even now saying it, it sounds strange, so we thought well we'll 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 redesign it we'll make it if if the studio was an extension of the website what would it look like so basically Uh, Graham 3D rendered on his computer the whole studio. We mapped it out, we scanned it, and he did this fantastic 3D model of it on the computer that we could walk around. And we had these beautiful display cabinets. It's got a bar. uh, It's got a central island uh, that we were going to try and find something historic in and put a glass table over the top of with all the workstations in the workshop. And um, like all these things (laughs) that we say that we're going to set out and do, we thought, oh, that would take us probably a month or two. Well, it ended up taking us just over four and a half months We've got some beautiful lights that are reclaimed from the Castle Bromwich Spitfire Factory. Uh, we've got this these really old vintage sofa. We've got a beautiful ejector seat from an English electric lightning. But I think the most amazing thing that we've got in our studio is actually... A Mark Nine Spitfire, and it is such a great engine, and we got such a great story for this. It was downed in northern France. So I get a phone call from a friend who's a watch collector, and he goes, "You've got to go and meet my friend. He's a farmer. He's restoring a Spitfire in the New Forest." Uh, and I thought, well, Chinese whispers. This this really can't be true. So I phone up the farmer, and he goes. And he's got this, like, kind of Cornish accent. I, I won't I won't insult him by trying to do it. And he goes, do you want to come and see it? So I said, yeah, gr- that'd be great. So I turn up at this farm, and I'm, I'm at his house, and he's there in his wellies, and he's, like, chewing a bit of straw, and he's got a Jack Russell around his feet. And I'm thinking, no way is this guy, no way has this guy got a spitfire in a barn just not going to happen so we walk up this hill and there's this like silhouette of a barn on the hill and outside it is a land rover defender with a wheel missing there's a sofa with a chicken on it sleeping and i just think this story just gets better and literally he swings open this door and it's like something out of a hollywood movie that's done a you know a thing on the britain in world war ii there is this spitfire full size it's got the wings off and it hasn't been painted. And there is a guy there in the corner in green overalls with all the embroidered badges, total bona fide spitfire engineer whatever you want to call him and the place was covered in dials uh wheels uh i was just it was incredible and i basically just froze on the spot and i picked up my mobile phone and i phoned graham and i said i don't know what you're doing but you've got to get over here now to see this uh and it was incredible and the guys were so nice it's subsequently the plane has been uh taken from there and it's up at Biggin hill and uh, it's due to be flying early next year. It's slightly behind schedule because of COVID. But it had to be uh, finish its restoration in an accredited place for it to be airworthy. But um, it's fantastic. So, so we're rummaging around. We're looking at dials. We're photographing everything. And uh, we really didn't want to leave. And in the corner, under a load of kind of rags and a bit of broken roof was this engine and i said to the guy i said oh what are you doing with that and he said oh it's such a shame he said it was too far gone to be restored so it's just going to sit here and i jokingly said oh that looked great in our studio and his eyes lit up and he said "Well, wow. he said it's no good at being sat here it's much better if people can appreciate it oh, i'd love it to to feature in your studio. He said, on one proviso, you've got to come and pick it up. Uh, And at the time, I thought, oh, that's not a problem until I realized how much it weighed. So we had to to go back the following week. We organized uh, through, he had a tractor uh, with a forklift And basically, we put it onto the back of a low loader, Uh, a friend of ours who did some of the design work or the metal work with roll steel joists for the studio for the tables that we made, uh, had a low loader, and we went to pick it up. And then that was almost the easy bit. So the hard bit was we got it to the studio. And um, basically five of us, it was on a trolley and five of us could barely pull it uh so for a couple of days it sat outside the studio and we were cleaning it not too much because we wanted to keep it kind of grubby and then we had to hire two mobile cranes and we were halfway through doing the studio and we'd just done the studio floor so we had to board the whole studio floor and we had to hire these two mobile genie lifts with chains and a roll steel joist inside the studio all set up and then five of us we said to we, we, we we've collared in a load of people friends saying we take them to the pub at lunchtime once we've got it in uh, and then we got it stuck in the doorway. And, uh, oh, I was a nightmare because it just wasn't budging. And it took like another hour and a half. And I thought, this is going nowhere. We finally got it into place before the glasswork went in with the mobile cranes and uh, everybody's like, yeah, we're off to the pub. And then Graham looked at it and I looked at it and I could see that he he was thinking about something and you could see that it wasn't quite straight uh, and all the others were trying to convince us, no, no, it's definitely straight. But um, it's something that we've got to live with for ages and uh, we we micromanage everything. I I mean, we must be a nightmare to work with. But um, we, we had to then remove it. It took another hour. But it was worth it because um it is like the centerpiece of our studio uh, there are i don't know where else you could see maybe a museum to see a, a crash spitfire and we've researched the whole story of this spitfire will form one of the watches in our range probably next year uh, the pilot was 22 just married uh, he parachuted out um in northern france he was shot down and uh, he hooked up with the local farmer, took him under his wing and hid him in a potato barn because the Gestapo was looking for him. And um he ended up, uh, the farmer put him in touch with the French Resistance and it took him three months to get home. He had to actually go home, uh, sorry, find his way through southern France with the French Resistance through to Sprain and finally onto Gibraltar. He never flew again, but he taught escape and evasion and him and his wife had a baby girl and they named it after the farmer's wife. And it's just great to be able to research all these stories and bring bring all this kind of history uh to t- to some beautifully engineered british timepieces so it's it's massively massively rewarding for us to be able to to not only make these beautiful watches but to as i said to retell this history and when we get people that travel so far to our studio um we're not like a shop we they often people are here for an hour or two and um you know, and when you phone them up to tell them their watch has been built, you know, you're not phoning up for double glazing. They're often taking days off work. Uh, uh, it's 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 really really rewarding we've had some beautiful letters in uh from people who have brought their 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 fathers in and um you know what the watch watches watches and the industry is all about not just the story of the watch but the story about how you found the found the brand the story of of actually collecting the watch and 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 we facilitate that because it's i know that uh somebody you know we have customers who have never bought a watch at our price point before uh, and it's a massive thing. Um, and then we have other people who, um, you know, they have Rolex and Speedies in their collection and they're just looking for something different and something special from a British brand that, that they can identify with and connect with. So it's, it's all the things that we believe in as, as, as a brand. Uh, those are our, our customers are, are all kind of connected and believing in that, in that design process and ethos. So that's kind of. In a nutshell, where Zero West started, uh, and it's it's been a fantastic journey, and great to be able to actually build the watches in house as well. So it, we we design everything in house, uh, we make the straps in house, and um, obviously we, we build the watches in house. And um, we we're not trying to be the next big thing. we do, in terms of volume of sales, we're trying to keep it small. As I said, we're micromanaging things, and um, that's probably irritating to a lot of people. But uh, the things that are really important to us. Um, We know are important to customers. And uh, a great example of that is I sent a watch out to a customer in Brighton. And, um, I remember he called up and he said, ah, oh, there's been a slight mistake. The serial number that I requested is not the same serial number on this watch. Uh, and I'm going away in a couple of days. And I, I, remember thinking this, it was a mistake that shouldn't have happened, but it did. Uh, so I got in the car there and then, um, I don't know what it would have been like had it been Liverpool, but uh, I did the three hour round trip, uh, stopping and chatting. Uh, and, uh, he was just beside himself and because I know what it's like. Uh, so we always try and answer every email within a few hours uh, you know, as I I think we talked about briefly, uh, before we came on air, we've just launched a new, uh, watch a few months ago and, um, you were asking how that's gone. And I was saying it was great because when we launched it, uh, we have a lot of customers over in the States and Canada, as well as Australia, and they often call in the middle of the night, but I answer every call, you know, it's, uh, I'm an enthusiast just like you. And, um, it's, it's great to be able to, uh, mix and chat with these people who uh you know have got this uh this bug this hobby so yeah it's 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 been a fantastic
1: journey which is ongoing
0: right andrew let me cross off the questions now well
1: thanks for tuning in to this episode of the show at the I'm beginning sorry. of the podcast before we hit record <laughs> we had this sort of chat as we normally do just to set the tone have a brief recap of where things are and some of the ideas that we're going to talk about during the show nothing's planned there's no script but we do have some bullet points we want to touch upon one of the things andrew said to me was I've listened to all the prior episodes and like your guests, they, 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 they do they talk a lot, you know, they, they really get into the meat of the matter. And I thought, cool, are you going to do the same? Yeah, I'll, I'll try, I'll try. 30 minutes, half an hour without a breath. Well t- 30 done. 30 minutes? You have picked up Yeah. I
2: hope no one was bored.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, listen, right. you've managed right. to rekindle a lot of memories because like I say, we first met 2019 at a show down south. And I was impressed, I was impressed when you sent the watches to me, I was impressed when we recorded two or three shows for Scottish watches, we've done Instagram lives, I remember after the football I gave you a hard time. Things like that and just listening to you recapping three, four years of us communicating back and forward in the space of half an hour. It gave me a buzz because I remember the elation in your voice the first time we spoke about certain things like you saying, oh, well, we got that engine in and it just wasn't right. And we looked at it, it just wasn't right. And we told the guys we're going to have to move it again. Or when you went up the hill, you looked in the barn and your dreams came true when you saw an aircraft sitting there when you thought you were having the mickey taken out of you. And it also proves that the genuine heartfelt stories that you tell are honest. Because you couldn't recount them in the same way three years down the line. And that's what I love. I love it about you guys and I love it about British watchmaking in general. There is such a warmth and enthusiasm and a genuine interest in moving things forward instead of perhaps if you move across to Switzerland, it's more marketing, hyperbole and that kind of thing. You don't seem to get that within Britain. So you gotta be commended along with the rest of the guys in the alliance. But I took some notes. I had to take some notes, you wouldn't let me get a word in edgeways. And the cases <laughs> we'll touch on the cases first. That's what you mentioned first of all. Yeah. And that was something that really caught me. I reckon it was twenty twenty during the pandemic when you sent me some watches. It could have it could have been any of them. It could have been the LS1 or 2, when I got the watch to actually spend some time with, put on the wrist and wear it out and about, the, the casing, the finish, it felt so smooth. The edges of it, even the knurling, the, the coin edge on the, the pusher mechanisms, the anodizing, the colour. I remember you telling me a story about how you managed to get the colour the way it was, and it's that intricate detail that you would expect from a swiss made timepiece or a japanese high-end timepiece that costs 10 grand 15 grand and you're delivering this at a price point that is just insane for the value that you get
2: yeah it's, it's important for us to as i said we're, we're, we're probably more design it, it's about making the best product when you're putting your name to it even though it's not our names but it's our brand we are so we, we take things very personally uh, and we appreciate that the, the, what people buy watches or don't buy watches some Sometimes for the slightest reason, you know, making the best product, uh, the mess, the best design watch is massively, Im- massively important to us. Graham's enormously passionate and design driven. And honestly, what people see uh, that gets put out is actually the tip of a massive iceberg of time. Um, you know, for every dial that you see, well, let's actually get roll back. Graham's designing a beautiful new watch for next year, a new shape watch he's been working on it since the beginning of the year not full-time on and off and uh he's he just he is to i won't give too much away but it's been massively challenging for him because some of the features that this watch has got and he just won't be beaten on it and he's now worked around the design issues that were problematic earlier on in the year and i cannot wait For this to go into production next year it is stunning and um it's that kind of passion and that drive that we both feel for the brand and what we produce is so important because we don't want to put something out and look back and go we we were constrained by time we were constrained by a budget we were constrained by the people that we found and what they were able to achieve and we're really fortunate enough that the vendor base that we use are as excited (laughs) and uh Solution led as we give them the problem. So we're, we're, we're very lucky, very, very lucky. Uh, you know, I wake up in the morning and, and it's no word of a lie when I'm almost running to get to work. Uh, I, I sometimes wake up at like half three, four. And if I could get away with leaving the house at that time, uh, I probably would because my just head is full of things that need to be done, ideas to work on. And um, as I said, the hardest part is knowing when to stop on a design. But what you n- need to know is that you've left nothing on the table in terms of what you've explored, so that you can wholeheartedly say when somebody says, "Why did you do it? Why is that? Why is that that color? Why is the font that size? Why did you not do it this way?" You've explored those, and and there is a reason by everything that you do. Um, as they say, good design is obvious; great design is transparent. When it works, it just works. Sometimes, the more you look at something, you analyze that it's not just one thing that's beautiful about a timepiece. It's it's the it's the sum of its parts. And it's those multitude of subtleties within a dial and the bodywork that actually make it what it is. And if you strip two or three things of those, two two or three of those things away, quite often it it, it has a big effect. Um, so yeah, it's 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 um, it's massively uh, challenging and rewarding. But um, I'm I'm so lucky to be part of this watch world. And as you said, uh, we go to a lot of uh, shows and. We meet up with friends from other brands, and everybody there's n- there isn 't this sort of competitiveness there 's just camaraderie uh, and we're so lucky and to be part of the alliance uh, We are so looking forward to the show next march that uh, is being put on i, I can 't say it's something that we 've talked about for a couple of years that it would be great if if there was a show of this nature to showcase the best of what Britain has to offer within the watch world and 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 march can 't come soon enough and um i've i've been speaking with catcher before and you know it's uh it's going to be an amazing show amazing
0: I know. i was just going to say um on that note you, you're getting a few special watches ready for the show
2: yeah we're creating three custom specials that will be variations some of them quite quite different from ex- from existing models uh and they are going to be really really cool really spe- only available from the show on the day uh and, uh, we're creating a special stand for each of these three watches, uh, where, where we are. So, uh, uh, I know there's going to be some press, uh, and you'll, you'll see images prior to the show. Uh, but we are really excited to be showcasing these. Uh, we know in the past when Zero West has done some custom specials, uh, when we started the brand off, we d- we did five of these really beautiful Spitfire watches and uh, we sold them in a week. And then Graham looked at me as if to say, why did you only really say we were going to do five of these? So uh, uh, we often get emails from people saying, do any of them ever come back to you? And uh, no, they're, they're out uh, never to be seen again, I'm sure. Uh, but these, uh, which is why I know these three watches are going to be, Uh, cause a lot of excitement especially within the Zero West uh, kind of collective or or, uh, fan base that we've got which we're very fortunate to have so uh, we're really looking forward to meeting lots of new people that have never actually seen our watches in the flesh so to speak or the wild and um, I know that these custom specials are going to draw a lot of attention as some of the other specials from some of the other brands are i think it's a great idea great concept for the show and uh really proud and excited to be part of that
0: that's brilliant one one thing i need to know from you um andrew is whether you're gonna be bringing anything heavy i really need to know in advance like knowing your you know (laughs) what you've been Uh, talking about previously
2: (laughs) okay so i can let you into a little secret we are going to bring something heavy Oh and we, are, we are we are also this is the first time i've spoken about it we are also bringing a time machine oh that's and incredible. honestly this thing is it has been worked on most of the year it uh, it's the size of a suitcase it is unbelievable piece of engineering wow i, I really can't tell you anything more than that but um you kind of heard it here first, and, and, and it's an amazing, amazing piece of display and engineering. So, yeah, it's the time machine. So, um, we'll be having that uh, at the show. So, really excited. That Graham,
0: that Graham was <laughs> even <been> up to.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we locked him away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so uh yeah i keep telling him sometimes we need to that's why some of the watches have taken longer than we wanted we just get sidetracked all the time so uh on, on cool stuff that we're not allowed to have at home i mean our studio is a bit like a boys' That's
1: the way it should be. But I would recommend everybody who has not already grabbed a hold of their tickets for the event do so because it's been two prior shows that I've attended that I've got to see in real life, not just the watches, but the way that other people, other watch collectors and enthusiasts, how they, they swarm. That's the word I would use. They swarm around your display stand because they don't get to see this type of watch on a daily basis. You can't walk into an AD, a boutique, even a specialist. And see this workmanship This finishing These unique designs And it was At the Watch It Fair First of all And then after COVID The first show After the pandemic Started to dissipate In 2021 The London Watch Show You had the display stand There as well And again It was just Surrounded by people I had to fight To get through To drag Dave along (laughs) So he could check out Your watches Because he'd seen the pictures And he has seen it And bought it And worn a t-shirt For the past 20-30 years When it comes to watches and he was blown away by them. So yeah, everybody, if you're not already going to the show, this is another reason that you should go to the show.
2: Yeah, there's going to be so many cool things to see. Uh I'm sure uh, not just our stand obviously. Uh I know uh, I've spoken to some of the other people and uh, their other brands and uh I know they're all doing special stuff and excited to be uh, exhibiting too. So, like you say, for people that have uh, never s- don't get to see these sort of brands uh because they're mainly online. Uh this is this is your this is your opportunity all in one place. You're amazing. doing my job
0: for me brilliantly, both of you. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> Give me an easy thing a job. More of it. It's been yeah. a long day. But no, do you want to run us through then the models, the iterations, and some of the designs that are historically in the back catalogue, currently available, and the most recent release that came out just a couple of months back?
2: Yeah, I mean, his, uh, historically we've uh, we produced this beautiful bullhead. As far as I know, we're the only British brand to do a bullhead chronograph automatic.
1: And for people who don't know what that is, can you explain? So it's, it's, a, chrono, it's a chronograph, uh, but instead
2: of the uh, pushers being on the right-hand side, uh, it, it emulates a stopwatch. So we uh, the pushers are top left and top right, just like a stopwatch uh, with the crown in the center. We effectively rotate the movement internally. And we came up with this design, this bullhead, because this chronograph, because our, our, our boathouse used to be a workshop a long, long time ago. And it was owned by a, a paneling expert, a really famous guy called George Gray. And he worked on the Sunbeam uh, land speed record. Uh, that set the first vehicle to go over 200 miles an hour on daytona beach and sunbeam bluebird and golden arrow all came back to emsworth to be restored because of his notoriety before they went to beauly which they now reside and we've got these beautiful black and white photographs that we've that w- in the studio of them being restored here and and we still get people who pass old people who pass the front of our studio who remind us of the history so we're very fortunate to uh, had all these contacts, and so in the old days they used to bolt stopwatches to the dashboards of cars, which is why this this this, this bullhead chronograph came about with the latitude and longitude denoting Daytona Beach uh, from 1927, and that is a beautiful looking watch. There's only a few brands uh, that design that style of watch, uh, so we were very fortunate. It's very iconic, and it was it was really difficult for us to engineer. So you know, total hats off to Graham who persevered to to design that. And we brought out a second version of that with this amazing exhibition back, with custom Valjoux movement, and it's got this beautiful, cool uh, engineered uh, bespoke red rotor on it. And, and yeah, it's that that is the site. We only make a hundred of each of these. Actually, a fifty of the fifty of that particular model. That's a that's a current model. So the other models that we've had are Spitfire watches. Uh, we produced this beautiful uh, pilot watch, the DB range, the DB one, DB two, and most recently. Back in May, the DB-80, which commemorates the 80th anniversary of Operation Chastise, more famously known as the Dam Buster Raid. Uh, And we were really fortunate, I mean, really, really fortunate to acquire some metal from one of the 19 Lancasters that flew on the mission in 1943. I can't tell you how difficult that was to get. It crashed in Northern France, and it was only through an association with a world-famous aviation artist that we managed to acquire this material. He was part of the salvage team that went with a TV crew to Northern France to identify the material because it had some special nuances and customizations over the traditional Lancasters. And we smelted down this metalwork. And again, like the Spitfire watch I described earlier, we we, we designed the back of the watch and it sits underneath an exhibition, an exhibition back and the latitude and longitude on the front of this pilot watch goes to the Sauper Dam, which ED825, which is said Lancaster flew on the mission. And that's been massively popular. We did the DB1 and DB1 blackout in a 44 mil and the DB80 was a 41 mil size. And we also did a chronograph version of that, uh, which sold out like, super quickly. That was the first pilot chronograph watch we did the db2 uh and um yeah if you're lucky enough to find one of those on the secondary market i would definitely pop it uh definitely snap that up but they they i don't think i've ever seen one come up so uh they were bought by a lot of collectors is that the watch that
1: came with the cool book yes yes 100 page book i remember when you sent that for us to check out and i think i spent just as much time with the book as i did with the watch
2: yeah that talks all about the raid it's got some incredible illustrations throughout and and then towards the end of the book it talks about ed825 and and its location and how the material was identified and uh, how we acquired the material and designing the watch so it was and each of those books came with every uh every watch and every watch is serialized and each book was serialized to that watch so it was that was a massive project for us Uh, and it's still it's, you know, it's still a current model.
1: That just kind of shows that it's not just a watch design when you get a Zero West. It is the strap that's customized, that's designed, that's not an off-the-shelf number. It's the case that's cust- it's not customized. It is a custom design, again. Everything about it, it's the attention to detail. And this is, again, something that you find within the Alliance. There's a whole load of brands that put their heart and soul into it. It isn't just a box tick exercise. So, again, got to be commended on that one.
2: And we also, with every watch that goes out, we write a personal letter to that person that both myself and Graham personally, <laughs> personally sign. And it's really important because, you know, even after all the watches that we've very gratefully sold, people, there is a lot of choice out there. And if somebody buys one of our watches, we are massively appreciative. Of it. it allows us to continue this journey. It allows us to bring out new models and never, ever take that for granted. Um, never. Uh, and, and, and so just going back to another story last summer, we were actually approached by the science museum. Uh, we thought it was a bogus call to start with because they called us up and they just said, we want to come and see you. Uh, and they have been doing a lot of research and they had, they had really scoped us out. And for this year it's the hundredth anniversary of the flying Scotsman. And they were looking for a watch brand to commemorate that along with the Royal Mint, um, and a few other, uh, high end licensees. And they came to see us. They weren't interested in actually selling the watch. It was purely to work with a company that would retell that story. And we were given some material from the Flying Scotsman uh, that was exceptionally difficult to work with before we agreed to take the project on. We spent four months working with the material to see if we could actually get it to uh, a size and a a, a consistency uh, uh, that would actually work with a watch design.
1: What material was that? It was actually some
2: boiler tube. But it's it's boiler tube that's four mil thick. So you need to clean it but not clean it too much. And then most importantly, you need to flatten it. Now trying to flatten four cut slit it and then flatten four mil of boiler tube that's had enormous amounts of pressure through it is 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 incredibly difficult to do. We worked with three separate companies to achieve this. Um we managed to slit it, we found somebody to flatten it, and then we had to skive it down to 1.2 millimeters thick. It then went to another company, luckily locally, with a 20-ton press that cut out the discs. And then we went up to another company in Dorking to laser engrave uh, the cab number on it for the original uh, number from the iconic locomotive when it left Doncaster Works.
1: Did you not think of just smelting that one? It would. We did look into that,
2: uh, but that was problematic. Um, for, for, it was quite a long-winded exclamation as to why that was problematic. Uh, but no, that's uh, that wasn't the route that was done with this so after the trials we then uh, agreed to the project uh, also with the proviso that that we were in control of the design of the timepieces uh, and that the, they really didn't get involved too much with the influence on it because we're very uh, influence led and um they were just ecstatic that we were prepared to take this project on and um yeah we produced two timepieces one uh that has a dial we work with a new dial manufacturer from the german swiss border we flew out this time last year actually literally to the week Uh, We're very fortunate to get a guided tour from a family-run business over there that have been doing dials for decades. And it was beautiful to see all the old machinery. Uh, A lot of the machines that make these dials, uh, if they break down, they have to find some guy up in the the Swiss mountains who uh, originally made it to repair it. And um, they were just as fastidious and uh, into detail as we are. Uh, and uh, we had to wait a little bit longer than we wanted to to get these dials, but the worth was wait. Uh, the worth was 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 really worth the wait for us. Uh, there was a lot of uh, processes that we haven't done before in our dials. Uh, we've got some applied black chrome numerals. We, we used a white dial that had a silver base. It was all beautiful, and we had a bezel that was that was screwed in that was radially brushed. It was very difficult to engineer, but it was really important to us because it emulated the the dials of the cab from the Flying Scotsman. So it really had like this historic feel. To it. And then the second dial we did was more about the romance of travel from the bygone era. And and it was a Roman numeral dress watch with applied chrome numerals. And the design inspiration was taken from the famous clock on platform eight at King's Cross, which was uh, the uh, arrival platform from the famous uh, Edinburgh to London that the Flying Scotsman was so famous for. And this has opened up our brand to a whole new. it's been massively rewarding a whole new sector of the market that we that we wouldn't have previously sold watches to. Uh, avian, aviation watches is a thing, as a known thing within the watch industry. We do motorsport watches, and we've done a cafe racer chronograph, which has been really cool. But we've never done a locomotive watch before, so it was it was <laughs> it's it's been great. And I don't think as a themed watch that's really been catered for by properly catered for by a by a brand before. So um, yeah, that that's been a great avenue it's something that we'd look at again for the future with a different locomotive um but again we're very story driven and we've got very very tight criteria for what type of projects we work on
1: well which mode of transportation have you not touched on yet and what would you like to work on uh
2: we haven't done anything space related yet uh there's a lot of uh, just to give you a bit of background it takes us between eight months and a year to bring out a watch. So we're, we're working on a two year rolling watch design program at the moment. It, nothing's set in stone because sometimes certain projects take longer than others to come to fruition. And if we're not happy with something, we'll, we'll wait an extra three or four months. But so in the space, in the space sector, that would be something we would, we would, we would, we would like to do something in. We haven't as yet. Uh, and we have some really exciting projects. Next year, I mean, I wouldn't expect anybody to say that I would say anything different. But you know, when you when you do something like the Dam Busters, uh, we often get asked how you're going to top that, uh, and you know, it's it's that's the challenge that, that keeps you awake at half three in the morning and wanting to run to work. Uh, that's kind of part of what we do. But um, everybody is just as excited as we are, and and uh, if it's often the, one of the main questions they ask when they leave the studio, what's the next watch? When will it be? Uh, And I think one of the biggest surprise to us as a brand is how collectible our watches have become. You know, before we started, we hoped that maybe somebody might buy a second watch. But actually, there are many, many customers that have got four or five of our watches. um, And we're very grateful for that. It's it's yeah. It's, it's been quite a journey.
1: It's where the word collector actually comes in and it stands up to its meaning. And we've heard this from a number of British brands. In fact, we recorded a show just before yourself because we like to make full use of our days. And the, the other brand we spoke to, they were telling us the exact same story. There is an affinity with brands within the UK. We hear it from the likes of Williamwood. We hear it from Fears. Even Studio Underdog, who recently, a couple of months back they brought out their second album. And it was a runaway hit. So, yeah, it's phenomenal to hear these kind of stories. And unfortunately, because you decided to take 30 minutes to answer our first question, we are out of time. <laughs> so before we go, Katia, anything you want to add in?
0: Um, well, I actually wanted to find out how do you find track all those different parts and from iconic aircraft and other you know mach- machine other cars and how do you track them how do you find them and have have you ever found something that actually inspired you to create the watch you know and you've got 3 minutes and all your questions out of the window and then yeah, you'll know I've got to work on that
2: it's a fantastic question i'll answer it as quick as i can um uh, in the early days it was it was it was difficult uh there's no question about that and then what happened was you find it's a bit like an old boys network uh an old boys club oh i know steve you need to speak to reg reg used to work at boeing oh he then worked here uh oh uh, and that's how it came about and, and a great example of that was uh, we produced a watch called the tt58r Uh, that has a piece of drive shaft in the back of it from an Aston Martin DBR1. And this watch commemorates the 1958 Tourist Trophy at Goodwood in 1958... Sterling Moss, exactly. And that's why we only made 58. And that came about through a friend of ours who's got several of our watches, who's a very well known within the automotive circles for restoring vintage Jaguars. And a friend of his uh, is the son of the Gauntlet family who owned Aston Martin in the 80s. And the DBR1, they only made five of them. Yeah, a couple of years ago, or a few years ago, it was the most expensive car to go uh, to auction in Britain. I think it was around 21 million pounds. And we were allowed to have this drive shaft to create this watch, but only on the proviso that we didn't destroy the visual integrity of it, i.e., didn't melt it down or chop it up. So we then, uh, massively challenging, but Graham managed to figure out a way to extract almost like bone marrow, some metal from like a rod from inside the drive shaft, which we called out. We had to work with a, a, a high-end engineering company local, uh, and and that was then uh, repurposed to form the back of the watch, uh, which really made 58. I mean, that, that was a really, really difficult project. But yeah, to answer your question, that's kind of a, a great example of how how we get we get offered a lot of material and projects that we can't do anything with. Um and, um, and then we've obviously got projects that we want to do and then it's just trying to find the material and the right material
1: I get it if there's anyone listening that works in the space industry we've got Andrew's number Yeah. Tim Peake lives in the next village Oh,
0: have you not knocked yeah. his
1: door we've tried <laughs> we got arrested <laughs> <laughs> well that is a story for another episode of the show yeah, Definitely. but it has been fantastic this hour has absolutely flown in no word of a lie and it's been great reminiscing seeing some stories I'd heard of told in a slightly different way with a little bit more flavour, things I didn't know in the past and hearing some new stories, some new releases and I'm kind of keen to see what you're going to roll out in 2024, especially for Watchmakers Day. So Katya, do you want to tell people where to go to find out more about the event and the Alliance?
0: Tickets for British Watchmakers Day are all live. Please do get your tickets. It's going to be busy. So the quicker you do it, the better. Um, if even better join our club and then you get the free ticket that you can reserve for the show Um, and all of that is on our website uh, bridgewashmakers.com So we look forward to seeing you all there.
1: And there's loads of other benefits for being a member of the club. You get print subscriptions to magazines, you get digital subscriptions to magazines. It is definitely worth the entry price. And you get to hear fantastic podcasts like this, plus other stuff on the website as well. And before we go, Zero West, how do people find out more about your watches and potentially buy them? Yep, uh, online,
2: zerowest.co.uk. Uh, but if you're ever down on the south coast in between chichester and portsmouth not far from goodwood motor circuit you're always welcome to pop into the studio even if it's in an evening I, i'm lucky or not lucky as my wife would say that i live in the next road and we often we often get people who come down in an evening with some friends uh to actually just uh it's a great space we're just very uh welcoming so uh yeah online zerowest.co.uk or pop down to the studio in emsworth
0: i've heard you offer zero west cocktail what's that
2: we do happy hours in a couple couple of hours
1: <laughs> <laughs> there we go that's the end of a show it's been a fantastic <laughs> hour this could have gone on for many more hours and I think we're just going to have to catch up in real life in a couple months time down south which is a journey for me I will be the flying Scotsman coming down to the show but it's been fantastic catching up Andrew let's not be strangers and catch ya thanks again for co-hosting and rating the the train as it almost came off the rails a couple of times there during the show so thanks for listening and we'll speak to you all again soon all the best cheers guys
0: bye thank you. back.